Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, hallowed be thy name. Help us to more and more have a holy reverence for you. It's hard to comprehend the greatness of your being because of the sinfulness and dullness of our nature. Occasionally, it is as the expression goes, our cups are made to overflow. And we have a deep abiding reverence for you. But so often, at least I can say with the case is with me, so often I know more in my head than in my heart. (coughs) And we know not what we shall be, but we know that we shall be like Him. But then our bodies are will be glorified. And I verily believe that the fellowship and communion of Christ will be rich and filled with all the fullness of God. I really don't know that I know what I'm talking about or know how to express what I would like to say. But I do look forward to the coming of the Lord. I look forward to being with you in glory and seeing you as you are. I pray that you will continue to show your mercy and forgiveness as we live out our lives upon this earth, that you be long-suffering and patient with us, and that you would work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure, and that which you have begun in us, that you will continue the work until the day of the Lord Jesus.
Would you now bless us as we continue our study in your word and cause the bread of life to find lodging in our souls. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. We left off this morning looking in verse 18 of 1 John 4 regarding the fear of the Lord. And we pointed out at least uh, six different uh, things about the fear of God. And we pointed out that the English word fear is used over 400 times in the Bible. And the fear that is mentioned here in 1 John 4.18 is not to be confused with people who are dead in sin that have no fear of God before their eyes. And then we said there is a fear of God that is genuine and proper that all men ought to have. We're going to look at this in a moment. And then there is a fear that believers have, which is basically a godly reverence for God. And that there is a natural fear that uh, is abated when love is exercised just in nature. Fifthly, God's children are commanded not to fear. So we have to look into that and put that in perspective. And then there is a fear that is to come in the day of judgment. And naturally, we looked at that day of judgment last Lord's Day afternoon and this morning from verse 17. Uh, We didn't do a full study, but uh, did somewhat. And we pointed out this morning that there are people that are hardened in their sins, that they have no fear of God at all. And I mentioned my own case prior to the Lord changing my heart. uh, I remember that when I would do things that were wrong, I didn't have any fear of God about it. I feared mom and daddy and I feared my neighbors and feared some friends and things of that, but I had no fear of God. It it didn't bother me what God thought about it. Now there is a fear that all men ought to have of God. Scripture speaks of that. Let's go to first of all in Exodus chapter 20. We don't see that much today. Nevertheless, it's still true whether men agree with it or not. When the children of Israel were at Sinai, the people said to Moses in verse 19, this is Exodus twenty nineteen, Speak thou with us, 
and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. See, that, that's just a natural fear. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you that His fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. God's fear ought to be before the face of every man. Every man should have some fear of God. Thou ought to reverence Him. Thou ought to reverence His Word. Thou ought to reverence everything about God. But sad to say, as society is hardened more and more in sin, we see that less and less. We may mention this morning that in our own lifetime we have seen this natural fear or respect for God has gone away and what used to be uh, a, an outward respect for God and the Word of God and even preachers or the preachers and the preaching of God, that's virtually gone away today. Benjamin Franklin, who was a deist, during the time of the founding of our country and when our the Continental Congress was meeting and Congress had become at a loggerhead at one time and Franklin got up and said words to this effect that, uh, that a nation couldn't come into being without the providence of God and that they needed to stop and pray that God would bless them to come to some agreement as they were working out in the Continental Congress. Well, whatever you think about the recent Speaker of the House, he has come under uh, fire for even mentioning uh, God and Jesus Christ in the House of Congress. And much, much, much more could be said about those things. Sir? Well, I guess somebody around here has ordered pizza. They're trying, trying, trying to deliver. But anyway, but you can see that our nation has gone down uh, in a great way. Uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin was, uh, <laughs> that's kindly a humorous story regarding Franklin and Whitfield. Uh, he would go out and hear George Whitfield preach and 
upon one occasion he was going to go hear Whitfield preach and so Whitfield would always give uh, opportunity for people to give money for certain occasions and Franklin would always uh, give into it but one time he went to hear uh, Whitfield and so he left his money at home on purpose so that Whitfield wouldn't get any of his money that day. And when Whitfield got finished his preaching and made his appeal, Franklin turned to a friend of his and asked to borrow some money to give. And the man said, well, I normally I would do that, when, but you're not in your right mind, so I'm not going to do it. But, uh, but my point is, uh, though that's a humorous story, it shows to... Uh, some degree that even ministers had and some respect that even deists would give uh, to the ministry in that day. But we don't have that today. But all men ought to have some type of reverence to God. In Proverbs chapter 1, we see this mentioned. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3, 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Chapter 9, Verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Chapter 10 and 27, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. And then one more in Proverbs 14. Verse 27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And we could give many others where it talks about the fear of the Lord. There should be a fear of God. We live in a time when uh, people are afraid of fear. What I mean by that, you have all kinds of phobias today. Some people are afraid to get out into uh, the marketplace, out in public. Normally it's called agoriophobia. And then you have people that are uh, afraid of the dark and afraid of, of uh, just afraid of, of, of a lot of different things.
mainly people today, well, I, I won't go down that road. But you, there, there's just all kinds of fears that people have. And really, they have the fear of all these other things simply because they don't fear God. Simply because they don't fear God. Before the Lord turned me around, when thunderstorms would come up, I was afraid. Thunderstorms come up now. I have a healthy respect for God. But many times I am uh, amazed at the power of God. Amazed at the power of God. And I realize and know that God is in control in the midst of it all. I re- this calls to mind, comes to mind uh, one time I was caught out, I and the family were caught out in a hailstorm. And I'm talking baseball size hail and it was coming in sheets and it just like uh, you just hear broom 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 as the hail uh, stones were hitting the side and the top of the vehicle and breaking the windshield and things of that nature But I remember telling the family, God's in control. God's got it in control. We're in the hand of God. Realizing and knowing that it wasn't just an act of nature. It's God. It's God. And I realized the the dryness that we are in at this time. This is God. The ground is cracking open in my yard. And we we need rain. But that's in the hand of God. And it's God that I respect. And it's God to whom I pray. But we ought to realize and know that and have that healthy fear of God, that healthy respect. I want us to dwell a little bit about the fear that believers are to have that is a godly fear, which I've really already mentioned it. But first of all, we'll go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. 
This is after Paul was converted and went to Jerusalem and then uh, they sent Paul away. But then in verse 31, Then had the churches, the congregations, rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. Did you notice the connection of the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost? Having a godly fear and reverence for God. There is that fear. There is that reverence. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Very, very profound verses of Scripture. Verse 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice that. Perfecting holiness. But notice what we are to cleanse. Not only just our flesh, but our spirit. In other words, we are to take control of what we think. You say, well, I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. Now, there are some things you can't help. Obviously, if you're sleeping, you may dream and think some things in your dream that you can't help. But a lot of times, what you are doing throughout the day is filtered out in your dreams when you're sleeping. If I'm on a project and working on something, it's not uncommon that during the night my mind is filled with that. Or if I'm studying on some particular subject in the Scriptures, my mind throughout the night may be filled with that subject. It's not uncommon that our dreams come about from such actions. I can't remember exactly the quote, and I know I won't be able to turn to it, uh, but it is in uh, in Ecclesiastes. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter five, 
Thank the Lord. Verse 7. No, that's not the one. I thought I, I thought I had the first. But in, in, in the multitude of thought or in the multitude of something, uh, verse 3, verse 3, that's the one I'm looking for. The Lord did bless me to find it. Uh, Ecclesiastes 5.3, For a dream cometh through the multitude of business. In other words, what you're busy about many times activates your dreamings. Now, that's not always the case, as we know, but that's, that's the principle. What I'm trying to say is what you are engaged in will have much bearing on what you think. And 2 Corinthians 7.1 tells us to cleanse not only our flesh, but our spirits, our thoughts. And that we are to per perfect holiness. Now we're going to get into some of this perfection when we uh, come on down in verse 18. But I will say this, it's not, it doesn't mean necessarily uh, without error, but it has to do with completeness. And we'll see more about that as we get to it. I don't want to jump off too much. But all of this is to be done in the fear of God. Not that we are necessarily afraid of Him, but out of love and reverence and respect for Him. But there should be an element of being afraid at the same time. I'm afraid of God sometimes. And I think it's right to be afraid especially if I'm thinking wrongly. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. 12, verse 28. Therefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. The idea that you should never be afraid of God is not scriptural. Our God is a consuming fire. And we need to be afraid of Him. In other words, 
We don't need to think, well, I'm one of the Lord, and it doesn't matter how I live. It does matter. It does matter. Just a minute. I don't know what's going on here. Well, I don't know whether she hung up or what happened on our Google chat there. Anyway, it went away. Uh, but we need to have this godly fear. And we need to realize and know that it does matter how we live and what we do. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. I mean, excuse me, chapter 3. God instructs wives to live in such a way before their husbands. But notice what it says in verse 2. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Talking about the fear of the Lord, not being afraid. Not talking about the wives being afraid of their husbands. It's talking about these godly wives living in such a way in the fear of God and they, they, we're to be a witness of the fear of God, in other words. There's one more, let's see. First, uh, Revelation eleven eighteen. Revelation eleven eighteen. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. But the point there that we're wanting to make is those that fear the name of the Lord. Talking about, talking about Christians. It's talking about Christians. 
So while uh, natural man has no fear, though all men should fear, uh, the Christian has a fear of God. But then there's a natural fear that goes away when a person has perfect love. Notice 1 John 4.18 again. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. If we have the love that we ought to have toward our fellow man, then we will not be fearful of him in general day-to-day living. Obviously, we ought to, res- we ought to have a fear uh, of, peop- of those in authority whether they be the policeman, the, the sheriff, or the, uh, the mayor, or whatever, there, there's to be some fear, some respect, some reverence to be had towards those that are in authority. But, if you have the right attitude and disposition... You're not paralyzed by them. I've been thinking about this and I haven't been able to come up with a good illustration that really fits the occasion. But let's just say that uh, I really don't know uh, how to uh, say this, but let's Excuse me just a minute. Okay. But uh, let's say a, a, a friend of yours or an acquaintance or a fellow believer Let's say that they are doing something wrong. And if you really love them, you're not afraid to go and talk to them. You have such love and respect for them that you'll go and talk to them. But if you're afraid that they're going to turn on you or they're not going to like you, then you won't go and you'll just let them go on their merry way because 
you're afraid of yourself. You fear yourself more than you fear them. Or you, in other words, you love yourself more than you ought. However, if you saw that same individual in a house that was burning, would you not try to rescue them? You see, there's a natural fear that goes away when love is abated. And I guess the burning house would be a good one. Normally, a person would be afraid of a burning house. But if the house is on fire and the father knew that his child is in there, most likely he would run into the house. Not afraid of the fire because he loves the child so much he wants to deliver the child. So that's, a, that's what we're talking about here. There's a natural fear that goes away when love is exhibited. But I would like for us to look at, to some degree, where God's children are commanded not to fear. Not to fear. And in doing so, you're really... Well, no, no, I'm not going to go down that road. The phrase, fear not, is stated 83 times in the Bible. And the phrase, be not afraid is used 28 times in the Bible. Now let's, let's look at a few fear nots. Obviously, we can't look at 83 times. Well, we could. But let's start at Genesis 15. Verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Fear not. I'm your shield. I'm your reward, Abraham. Not silver, not gold, not peace and prosperity, but I'm your reward. I'm your shield. And though we could build a sermon upon that, that could be applicable to all of God's children. We need to, we need to realize God has told us, I'm your shield. Fear not. Fear not. Genesis 26. 
This is talking about Isaac. And he goes to Beersheba. Southern part of Palestine or Canaan. Where Abraham had built a well there before. But in verse 24, God and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not. For I am with thee, and will bless thee, and will and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Fear not. Isaac, fear not. Don't be afraid. You're living in a strange land. You're living among enemies. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 21. Here the Lord is speaking and the children of Israel are about to go into the land of Canaan. But in verse 21, Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord of as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. I'm not going to take the time to do so, but I'll give you some others. Deuteronomy 31.6 and 8. You can write those down for later. Joshua 8.1 Judges 6.23 I'll give you time to write. <laughs> Second Kings 6.16 First Chronicles 28.20 Isaiah forty one fourteen and forty three one and forty four two and Daniel ten twelve and nineteen chapter ten verses twelve and nineteen. But let's go to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. We'll look at a few of these in the New Testament. This is Joseph finding out that Mary was with child and he was contemplating putting her away privately and not making a spectacle of her. But in verse 20, Matthew 1, 20, 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, don't be afraid to take her to your wife. Humanly speaking, can you imagine what all that was going through Joseph's mind? And then God sends the angel and says, Fear not. Fear not. He didn't say what all Joseph would go through or not go through. He just said, Mary is conceived by the Holy Ghost. Never heard of such a thing, Joseph might say. And you want me not to be afraid? What are people going to say? What are people going to think? If this is a special child of the Lord, how is it that I can instruct him? Of course, we don't know how long Joseph lived. We know he lived long enough for uh, Mary to have five other children, at least. Because later on it talks about three of Jesus' brothers and then says Jesus had sisters, so he had to have at least two. Fear not. Fear not. Most people today think, well, I can't even handle one or two children, much less five or six. Fear not. Be obedient to God. Matthew 10. Verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body. Let's just stop right there. Are you afraid of people that'll kill you? Especially for the cause of Christ? Fear not. Fear not. Fear not them which kill the body. Think about that. Fear not. Fear not them which kill the body. You say, well, preacher, what do you think about that? I think I have a lot to think about. 
Am I afraid of those that would kill the body? I've never been put to that test. And I pray that I not have to be put to that test. And I believe the only way that I can do that is if God be with me. But I also know that Jesus has told me not to fear them. Which means I need to make preparation as much as lies within me. Fear not. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We are to fear God. And we're to fear God enough that we don't fear man. What it boils down to, are we afraid to do what God tells us to do for fear of what someone else may think, even family? See, it goes on and talks about A man being at variance with his father and the daughter against the mother, the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. <coughs> How that a man's foes shall be those of his own household. Jesus said, don't be afraid. There's many men or women that are afraid to serve God for fear of what their spouse says. Jesus said, fear me more than them. The world says that's stupid. The world says get along with everybody. Mainly what, what mainly those that say you need to get along with me is that you get along with me and nobody else. You know, these people today they're wanting you to accept them, but they don't want to accept you. You got to do it on their terms and theirs alone. God said to the Christian, You operate on my terms. Well, there may be some others we'll look at later. I don't have time to look at all of these today. We'll stop here. The time is running out. But I hope you get the picture.
Let's pray. Father, bless us as much as possible to understand fear in each verse that we come across as You would have us to understand it. We've tried to point out a few of the differences. Frankly, seems that I've done a rather poor job of it. But help us to have the fear that we ought to have to not be afraid of which that we should not and to know how to have the balance in it all. In Jesus' name, Amen.